You're listening to Ditch the Diet Radio with myself, Rachel Foy, the Food Freedom Coach. This is a podcast for smart, driven, high-achieving women who are sick and tired of their food struggles holding them back from having a life that they really want. So if you're ready to stop the struggle with eating, fighting your body, and ultimately find your own food freedom, then you, my gorgeous, are so in the right place right now. If you love the conversations that we have here on Ditch the Diet Radio, then be sure to check out my website at rachelfoy.com for free workshops, gifts, and much, much more. So are you ready? Here's a brand new episode from Ditch the Diet Radio. Let's go. Right then, guys. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Ditch the Diet Radio with your host, Rachel Foy. How are we all doing today? Um, So today, we are going to be having a chat with an amazing lady on the other end of the phone right now, um, who's actually in Thailand. That's a bit of a clue. But before we get on to the interview, for those of you that are fairly new to Ditch the Diet Radio, what's it all about? Well, I believe that we as women, we really need to start standing together to support each other, to be the best, most confident versions of ourselves. Um, Judgment and criticism has definitely got no place for that whatsoever. And certainly through my own personal experience, and I'm hoping that you may get to this point as well, that when you can start to realize that you'll never actually change your body into anything through hating her and through punishing her, that allows you to open up this whole new world, which is basically what Ditch the Diet Radio is all about. So on Ditch the Diet Radio, I'm bringing together some of the leading industry experts on women's empowerment, on body confidence, emotional eating, and healing our relationship with food, all interviewed by yours truly. Now, exercise interesting topic right always often gets thrown into the conversation of body image and eating dysfunction or eating disorders sometimes but exercise and body image obsession it often fuels dysfunctional eating which our guest knows so much about so right now what's your relationship like with exercise now how does that tie into your eating habits and your patterns and your behaviors If you're anything like how I used to be, I would use exercise as a form of punishment. I used to use exercise as a way of weight control, as a way of believing that I had to go to the gym and work out really hard um, in order to become slim and therefore happier. So I want to introduce you to today's guest who can talk about this in far more detail and experience. Now, this is someone who spent several years training for fitness competitions and modeling photo shoots only to come to the conclusion that obsessing over food in her body was actually taking her further away from enjoyment and passion in life. So today she teaches other women and men as well how to take control of their relationship with food whilst enjoying every single minute of their newfound freedom. So I'm hoping that she's still on the other end of the call. Are you there, Maddie Moon? Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for that lovely intro. You're very welcome. And I do believe that you are in Thailand right now. Yes, I'm in Chiang Mai. I've been in Asia, specifically Vietnam, Cambodia, and now Thailand for the past month almost. Wow, that sounds so exciting. I can imagine that you're just being exposed to so many sort of ex- experiences and cultures and, you know, for food. Well, food must be amazing over there. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's totally different from what I'm used to back in Colorado. Just lots of lots of fruit, um, abundance of fruit, and tons of rice and vegetables, and those are all some of my favorite things. So it's it's lovely food, and the people have been incredible, and it's been really it's been really amazing to live out of a, a, a carry on bag. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy what you can do if you if you want something badly enough. Oh, that's definitely true, which kind of is, you know, a very appropriate lead on to what we're going to talk about. So I said in the intro before that your background, it was it was like fitness competitions, wasn't it? Yes. So it's much it's a lot of different things. But one of the things that I talk about the most is my time with my fitness competitions and doing the quote bodybuilding stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was something I mean, how long ago was that when you were doing all these? Um, I stopped doing it in my very last show was October or maybe it was November of 2013. So that was the last time. So what was your, what's your earliest memory about trying to like control and manipulate food? Because I'm guessing that there was a big part of food control when you were competing. Well, my earliest memory that goes all the way back to elementary school. Okay, really, okay. pretty much. That's when I started to, you know, when I was young. Actually, I, I, I was told little tidbits here and there that were in regards to weight, little things that would just be kind of thrown my way, and it became subconscious. Like I remember, I was one of the shorter girls in my family, and my I would always get called out on it in my my large, not my immediate family, but my whole family, with all my cousins, they're all girls and they're all very tall, leggy. Mm-hmm. And I was noted all, like always verbally, people would say that I'm the one that wasn't leggy, wasn't long, tall, blonde, blah, blah. I mean, I was blonde, but they just always commented on my cousin's bodies compared to mine. And I remember just being in big groups of family and wanting to be like one of the leggy blonde girls. Like I wanted to be a part of that. And yeah. Growing up with my sister, who's also the same, I just got compared a lot. And when I was about like in third grade, I'm not going to give the specifics, but uh, someone in my family had told me that I should always be sucking in and Mm. that I needed to be sucking in at all times because when I get older, it's easier to suck in. So to this day, I have a problem or I have to consciously remind myself to let my stomach relax because I've been flexing and firming my stomach since I was in third or second grade. And I think going back all the way to that day is when I started to realize that there's something wrong with my body with the way it is. I need to fix it. I need to make it look smaller. So the first time I was introduced to food and using that as a control mechanism is when I was in also elementary school. And I remember watching this television show that was warning against using food to control your weight when you feel stressed with life. Instead of using food to control your weight, talk to your friends, talk to your family. It was a great point. The show was trying to warn against eating disorders. But for me, of course, I took away that as a lesson. Like, oh, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, so you can yeah. you can control your food. And like this girl on the show had fainted and all her friends came and rushed to her. And that is quite literally what happened to me a few years later, as I got older in high school, I started to play around with not eating at all or throwing up. And one time it just went on for too long and I ended up fainting and all my friends came, rushed around me and I got all this attention and I felt almost as if I had this special secret problem. And it was only mine when 
I felt very stressed out with the rest of my life and lonely because high school, let's face it, is a very hard time. Oh, yes. So <laughs> that's, that is where the disordered eating began. And then soon soon came the over-exercising, the dieting, like the strict, strict dieting, more disordered eating patterns with not eating or bin, uh, uh, bulimia, not necessarily binge eating, but bulimia. And then came the bodybuilding. So kind of leading up until this, at that point, because I know you mentioned there about high school, and that, that seems to be a very common time for a lot of women when they start to become obsessed with body image. And you, know, you said yourself comparing yourself to people. But during that time, were you exercising already or was that something that ended up becoming a part of your life a bit later on in your journey? I started exercising when I was in high school. I was actually in the marching band and I was fine with that and that was my that was my movement. I mean every single morning at 5 30 we had to be on the field ready to practice our marching band routine. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of playing but I was introduced to to Lady Fitness of America, the fitness gym for women. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really even know that going to the gym was like a thing that a lot of people do. Like that was totally not within my little world. My my family never really went to the gym. Everyone just was perfectly healthy, but no one really took time to go work out. And I remember just being introduced to this this membership thing and I went and immediately I became hooked. I started going to these you know turbo kit classes and then after that I would do an hour of the elliptical and then I started to realize see a little bit of results and I would start to use food and exercise together to make sure that I was as anal as possible about my routine. So I would burn a certain amount of calories on the machines and then I would eat less at home or I would run a certain amount of miles one day and then the next day that became the standard. And if I did any less than that, then I was considered to myself a failure. So it just kept building and building and building. And and then I, I just got to the point where if I didn't go every single day after school, I would beat myself up. I think um, I think that obsessive or rather compulsive desire to exercise that is fairly common, isn't it? With like eating dysfunction and just people that are really messed up with food and eating. And I think sometimes people overlook the significance that that relationship that you have with exercise to the extent of if I don't do it, I feel guilty. If I don't push myself, I feel not good enough or not worthy. That's still a really really unhealthy place to be in. It's not just about the food, is it? Like the exercises also a big problem for so many women and men as well, to be fair. Absolutely. Exercise often goes hand in hand with these things. And Mm. especially for people who suffer from a background of, I mean, all, all eating disorders, actually all of them, but I, I come from the, I come from a mixture of all the mainstream type of eating disorders, but more recently in the past like five years of my life, I had orthorexia, which is a obsession with healthy or pure eating. And it's, it it depends on what the person considers to be healthy or pure eating. For one person, it could be anything in smoothie form or anything that's green. Um, Or for another person, it could be anything that would be considered clean eating. And they become obsessed with clean eating and always making sure everything is clean. And Um, that was more of where I came from is obsessed with clean eating, whatever that really is, because those rules are even so uh, mixed all over the place. It always means something different to somebody. I think um, it's it's interesting, actually, that you mentioned about orthorexia. That's something that I was going to 
suppose quiz you on in terms of what your perception is of orthorexia because I know perhaps um I'm not too sure about in the States, but it's been given a bit of bad press over here in the UK, as in a lot of people denying that it exists. A lot of people saying, oh, there's no such thing, you know, healthy eating's healthy eating. Um, but from what you've just said, your experience, and I can re- resonate with that as well from my personal story, orthorexia is real, isn't it? It's not something that's just um, made up or it's just, um, you know, the, the latest trendy word to use in social media and in the press. Like for some people is a huge problem. Yeah, it's frustrating because no one's going to roll their eyes at bulimia. No one's going to roll their eyes at anorexia. But half of the world, if not more, is rolling their eyes at orthorexia because they are looking at the words healthy eating as now a disorder, which is so far from the truth. No one is saying healthy eating is a disorder. That is not true. What we're saying is that healthy eating is a problem only when it becomes a problem. When it becomes a mental issue, a mental disorder. And you cannot measure mental issues with the size of your body or your habits. So you can work out every day. You can eat healthy and you can be perfectly fine, feeling good, living a balanced life, happy. You can work out every day and eat healthy and be completely unbalanced and be depressed and be stressed, isolated, and constantly self-shaming. You cannot tell if a person is this way or not based on their habits, their actions, because it's a mental disorder. And people who are arguing that it's pointless. It's pointless to argue that because you can't come up with any facts saying that this doesn't exist. In your personal experience, maybe you've never taken health to the point where you find yourself hating your life alone every single night crying in a bowl of broccoli and chicken because you can't go out and socialize with people and you're on the verge of creating other harming uh, disorders in your life or addictions. It's very hard to describe to people who who are closed-minded what this disorder is really like because you have to be able to have sympathy to some degree or have empathy. So if you really don't have sympathy and if you don't have any experience with it, it's going to be hard for people to understand or take the time to understand because you do kind of have to be open-minded to hear these types of stories and believe that they're real, which they're very real. No, absolutely. I think you put um, something on your Instagram feed this last few days. Um, In fact, I've got it in front of me. And you put a little quote on saying, health is not just about what you're eating. It's also about what you're thinking and saying. I think that's such a powerful statement. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly in the context of orthorexia as well, because like you said, it's not just about the well, in fact, it's not about the food, really, is it? Arguably, it's not always about the food. It's about that emotional connection that we, that people often have around food in the sense of they have morals about it. They they give themselves permission to do certain things and not to do other things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree that orthorexia is absolutely real. And I think more people suffer from it than what most people might even realize um, mm-hmm. I think, um, I, think yeah. I think it's it's almost become socially accepted, hasn't it? Particularly, well, without getting into a feminist issue now, but certainly like diets and women, they just seem to go hand in hand from a sociological point of view. I would even take it a step further and say that it's not just accepted, but it's admired. Yeah. And if you like not obviously not in the culture that me and you are in in this community, because we're all fighting the good fight. But in the mainstream, if you go on 
any typical, I mean, let's just throw it out there. Like, um, mind, body, green. Yeah. You know, let's just take that as an example. I mean, it's a great place because I've written articles about orthorexia on there. Of course, they received some very negative feedback because half the people, if not 70% of them, are orthorexics in the making with all of their conversations about why well, you have to eat this way. I'm a nutritionist. This is what I eat every single day. Or yeah. um, I'm a paleo expert. Here's the foods that I recommend my clients don't eat, like with those titles and stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like like with that culture and people coming out and sharing their message of this is the way I eat, this is the right way to eat, and then people – looking on their Instagram feed, seeing all these beautiful photos, reading their articles, following their Snapchats. Like you get this glimpse of this person's life and their perfect diet and their perfect body and the Photoshopped stuff that you like don't see actually goes into it. But this person is being admired. They are being praised. And there's so many different of these people. There's so many different ones with different books and all of them praising whatever diet it is they found saying, this is the one, this is the one, this is one. And it's becoming more and more popular to join one of these diet cults, be one of the gang, because we crave community. That's mm-hmm. really where it all comes down to is we desire to be a part of something. And it's such a pure, beautiful, innocent, uh, innate desire. Yeah. It goes all the way back to the very first humans on this earth. We desire community. That's how we are made. But unfortunately, when we live in a superficial society with quick fixes, fast fashion, all these very instantaneous um, fixes for different problems in our life, we can find these quick ways to have community without having real community. And that can come in the form of a diet culture. And I think that's really where, sadly, this is headed as people instead of going out and making this community and seeing people face to face and making new friends or sharing their real struggles with life, they're joining a new diet group and they're throwing themselves into it, hoping that this is it. This is where I'm going to find my community. These are my people, my friends. And then when they realize that food is just food, they cling on to that diet and they try to convince themselves that this has to be the right thing for them. This is the right one until they go crazy mad and create an eating disorder, create anorexia. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that whole kind of connection, when you're saying about we, we crave that kind of group format, you, can, you know, you always see it as well, don't you? Like groups of groups of friends, groups of women, the topic of weight and weight loss and eating and calories and fitness mm-hmm. and health. It's just such a common topic that gets spoken about. Um, yeah, that's a really fascinating point, actually, that it's not sort of sociological. It's actually a lot deeper than that. It's more about, um, yeah, that, that desperate desire to, to be a part of something. Um, so going back to, going back to your story, Maddie, when, when did you kind of get your moment of clarity? Cause you were doing your fitness competitions, which I'm guessing was like really pulling you into that orthorexic world that you've just touched on. So what actually happened? Like, when did you get this clarity of like I can't do this anymore this is just ridiculous I received that clarity after my second fitness show um I just realized that the past three years leading up to that I had made so many sacrifices I I was just I I think I realized that if I had died if I had died like around that time the only thing people would remember me for is that I clean ate I ate very cleanly And I worked out very hard and 
that just isn't the life for me. I didn't want to be known for that. And I didn't, I just pictured my funeral being like a sad place where no one really had much to say about me because I was so consumed with my body and my food. And I never really took the time to, to get to know people with a simple dinner or a simple phone chat or a traveling or adventure or just being there for them. I was never there for anyone because I didn't have the physical, mental capacity mm-hmm. to take anyone else's stuff on my own because I was just in my own head. And I realized that. And I also realized that at the time I was 21, 22. And yeah, I'm in my 20s. This is like the best time ever. And, you know, of course now... Every time is the best time. It's the mindset of what best time. But for then, back then, I remember thinking, like, I'm in my 20s. Like, I'm in the age you be careless and you have fun and you enjoy your youthful body. Like, take advantage of it. Like, I'll only be 21, 23 one time for one full year and then I move on. Like, why not enjoy this youthful body while I have it and have fun with it? Because one day I'm going to have life problems. I'm going to have a family or I'm going to have money issues and I need to just take advantage. So that mindset helped me a lot, just feeling like it was almost a duty of mine to chill the heck out and re- relax and enjoy my body and just put these trivial, they weren't trivial, but you know, retrospectively, they're, they're very trivial. Yeah. <laughs> these trivial concerns of like, oh, green beans or broccoli or cheeseburgers and ice cream. Like, it's just so many, so many unnecessary struggles that I was putting on myself to avoid just being with myself, just being me and allowing myself to just be me. I was so terrified of accepting my body, accepting my cellulite, accepting my flaws accepting the weirdness that comes with me because I'm totally weird all the time. I was just so scared of accepting all of that, that I was trying to constantly make sure I stayed in this box. And I remember I just was so tired of that box. It wasn't fulfilling me. It wasn't helping me. I was tired of looking at a panel of judges saying, tell me that I'm enough. Tell me that my body is better than this body next to me. Tell me that I'm um, thin enough, tall enough. My boobs are big enough. My butt's round enough. Tell me, tell me, tell me. And I realized that, you know, let's specifically talk about bodybuilding. Bodybuilding is very, very, very um, subjective and it's very political as well. Most people don't know this side, but judges pick who they want to win based off of who has the, the coach or the trainer that they're friends with, whether they like blondes or brunettes, if they don't like tattoos, if they like belly button rings, even down with the height, like they split you up into height classes and they lied on my height card saying I was an inch taller than I am because they wanted me to be in the tallest height class because my height class had too many girls and it was too full. So they put me in the group with the girls that were way taller than me. So of course their body composition is different from mine. Uh, They have longer torsos. They probably have longer legs. So here I am super short compared to all these super tall girls. And I was just mad. I was like, I spent five months working on my body and then something as small as a height class being too filled up can completely ruin all my chances. But then I thought about it and I was like, that's kind of how life is. Like that's how this whole game is. You can spend all your time trying to perfect yourself, but when are you ever really going to be enough to an outsider? If you have standards or if standards exist in someone else's mind, 
Are you really going to be able to check off all those boxes slash do you really want to check off all those boxes? Because everyone likes something different, including yourself. Everyone has something different in their body. And the only thing you can do is be yourself, be within yourself. You, no one else is you and that's your power. And that's not my, my quote. That's someone else's quote. I forgot whose. But I love that quote. Um, no one is you and that is your power. And it's so, so true. And I just didn't want to live my life trying to get five judges to tell me they all love my body and to control which height class I was put in because I can't. It is out of my control. Yeah. The same way I couldn't control what height class I was in is the same, same exact way I can't control how other people see me, what other people think when they see my body. N- neither does it matter. I don't want to control it anymore because people who look at me and judge my body, they are not worth having in my life. And I'm just tired of spending my life caring. Like I just have better things to do. And so do you. And each person that listens to this podcast, you have better things to do with your one precious life than worry about what another human being thinks about it. Absolutely. I mean, as you're telling me that I'm kind of getting goosebumps, you know, the thought of somebody, obviously yourself standing there in front of these random strangers, and they are openly judging and criticizing your body. When you kind of think about that, as in like you reflect on that, that, does that make you annoyed? Like, do you feel quite sad by it? Because that really, that got me quite angry, the thought of people actually putting themselves in that position where other people are openly judging and criticizing themselves and they're doing it for fun. Yeah, it does make me mad, which is why I will always stand by that I think bodybuilding competitions should not exist. Yeah. And yeah. that's period. Like, used to, I'd probably be like, oh, it is what you make of it. But no, honestly... I think they're all bad. I think it's a stupid, pointless, damaging, shaming sport. Mm. And it's built off of not – it's literally built off of you're not there yet. You're You're a work in progress. You're not good enough. Yeah. And then you get to the next stage. Say you you make the first round of your your regional show. Then you got to go to nationals. And then it's like so much more pressure. And then let's say you get to the top of the top of the top and you're number one. You've leaned out for years. You're sick. You've lost your period. You can't digest food. You have to take sleeping medication to go to sleep. You don't have a significant other because you can't manage to balance that. Let's say you go to the top. You've got all those other things. You win. Okay, you're number one in the world of body. What then? Yeah. What now? So do you stay like that forever? Because chances are, if you get to that place, you're gonna feel like you need to. You're gonna feel like now you are. People expect that of you. If you gain weight. What are people going to think of me if I, if I put on an extra more weight or if I eat a cheeseburger or if I'm just kind of done with this bodybuilding thing? Can I be done with it? But on top of that, that pressure to maintain it, what happens with your health? Mm-hmm. Like you've got to now get a period back. You've got to restore your metabolism. You've got to restore your, your body image and the damage that the industry has done with you. You've got to probably break some relationships that are pulling you down and make new relationships with people that are going to lift you up. So many things happen, especially when you get to the top of the top. Like you still, it's not just like it ends there and then life is good and then you get your period back and then you make all these friends and like yeah. you can go work in a different industry and it's a long process and the higher you get or the more the more deep you get in that industry I think the more work is going to have to be done when you finally decide you're done with it to get to a place where you're happy and you're feeling fulfilled within your body absolutely and you know kind of certainly from a social media point of view you know these so-called well the fitness 
the fitness bikini models like the Fitzbo, the people that you've mentioned already that actually women admire and they look up to, those pictures don't tell any of that, do they? It's like you see a woman who's got a six pack and she's clearly been working out and she takes a protein shake and she's promoting all these supplements. But actually all that stuff in the background, which you've just mentioned, none of that is on show. Like nobody talks about this stuff, which actually is the most important thing to talk about. Yeah, no one talks about it. Like it's people take pictures of themselves eating their chicken and brown rice in their car out of a Tupperware and say, no excuses, eating my meal five in the car, waiting for, waiting to pick up the kids from school. Okay. So while that may look like the hashtags, discipline, motivation, fitspiration, like, you know, all those hashtags that come with those pictures. What really happened is that person spent the entire night before preparing all six of their meals spending probably an hour and a half preparing all of that, an hour and a half that they were just in the kitchen and they could have been with their family. By the time they were done, their family's tired, they, they go to bed. Then that person just goes to bed because they wasted their whole night. They wake up in the morning, they have to prepack all of their food into these containers. They eat them one by one, feeling stressed all day long because one, they don't really enjoy the food. Two, they eat the food in a stressed state, wondering what is this going to do to my body? Is it going to be okay? Is it going to help me towards my fitness goals or no? Yeah. Um, and then by the time they're you know in the car, they're like, okay, well, I've got to eat this really uh, lukewarm meal because the meal has probably been sitting in the, co- the cooler all day long while they were in work and they're eating it in the car really quickly, um, not enjoying themselves at all because the last thing they really feel like is eating chicken and brown rice or whatever it may be. And the only thing they can think of to do is post it to their followers and their fan base so that they feel like they're giving them a little bit of inspiration and then they receive validation in return because then there's 50 likes rolling in, five comments, everyone's saying, way to go, you look so great, it's all worth it, oh, you're my inspiration. And then that person feels like, oh, okay, what I'm doing is right, this is the right thing, okay, good. And the cycle continues and the people watching don't see that turmoil that goes into that, they just see, oh, dedication, motivation, and the person that is posting these things it's not it's a cycle that you can get sucked into very quickly. It's not like they they know that what they're doing is is um not they probably at the time don't know what to do honestly because they're getting all this admiration from people and it feels really good. You get endorphins from it and you get that happy hormone, so mm-hmm. it feels good, but it fades so quickly. Unlike true happiness and unconditional happiness, it fades quickly. Like You can have total body freedom and eat the food you love and love the body you're in, which is one way to go, which is I think is the most satisfying way. Or you can have a body image that's only good whenever you receive constant validation for your actions and the way you look. Absolutely. And I, and I know which one you choose now. <laughs> Yeah. So Maddie, talking, obviously talking about this, I mean, I've got no experience myself with like bodybuilding and with fitness industry. I was definitely a gym junkie though, back in the day, you know, and and that kind of concept. So for anybody that's listening right now, if you do find yourself, like Maddie was saying, becoming really obsessed with what you have to do, and there's lots of shoulds and there's lots of musts and I need to, then that's kind of your key really to step back from that and actually start to be honest with yourself as to whether what you're doing right now is actually serving you or like Maddie's just said whether it's actually pulling you further and further away from I suppose your authenticity isn't it it's like our instinctive way of of being and eating and all that kind of thing yes so where would somebody who perhaps is on the slippery slope like you were yourself 
where would they actually begin? Certainly with like the food freedom, because I know you've spoke a lot about intuitive eating on like your and your other podcast. Is that something that you think is a big part of the recovery process? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very helpful for people to learn to become back in touch with their innate hunger fullness cues. I definitely have some suggestions and things I would tweak on that. Um, I wouldn't follow everything follow everything in the book Intuitive Eating for a Tea because I think you know one one of the the main principles of intuitive eating, the traditional sense of intuitive eating is to eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, you know slash eat what sounds good. I love the eat what sounds good, learning to eat out of the ordinary, eat what your body's telling you to eat. The things that I don't necessarily have my clients or followers follow strictly is only eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full. I think that's a great north star, a place to eventually get to, to really know when you want to eat and don't want to eat. But I think stopping when you're full is something for even the most normal of eaters to do. It's sometimes it's just hard to, to know exactly what you're done. Sometimes you just want to eat more. Yeah. So... There's no need to pressure yourself to do that. And then also only eating when you're hungry. Well, what about special occasions or nighttime, you know, bite of chocolate or some ice cream with your kids? Like you shouldn't only eat when you're hungry if you, if you feel like eating at other times. So there's wiggle room with that. I do think that that's a wonderful place to start to get that book, though, knowing those two little tips. I just keep those in mind. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I would say is just to clean out your social media feed and your life. If there are actions you're doing that are no longer fulfilling you or keeping you in this negative cycle, take steps to reduce them, reduce the amount of exposure they have in your life, where if whether it's a negative friend or if it's a social media account you follow, I would just unfollow those completely. If it's going to the gym, taking breaks from that. If it's uh, avoiding certain foods, start eating these foods again slowly but surely to expose yourself to them and show yourself that they're not the enemy. Um, Lots of different things, and I've got a lot of stuff, a lot of advice, tools, tricks all all over my website with uh, my podcast, and I'm currently writing a a new book that's going to dive way deeper into all this. So I'm very excited about that. I was going to ask you, actually, because I know that you've written a few books. I've I've read a few myself. But just for the listeners out there that don't know that you are also an author, um, what are the books that you've written? So I have one book called The Perfection Myth. And this was my first book to write. It's a it's kind of an overview of, of my life chasing perfection. And my most recent book, which if anyone is going to get one of my books, I would say go to this one directly. It's only, I think, two ninety nine on on Amazon Kindle. Mm-hmm. And you do not have to have a Kindle to read it. You can read it on your phone yes. or uh, online. So that one is called Confessions of a Fitness Model. And that one goes way more into detail on my time competing in fitness competitions, some stories that I want to share about that time, all the negative downsides to it. So if you're into this conversation and me getting super hyped up and passionate about bodybuilding and why I think it is uh, not so healthy, I think you should get a copy of that book. And then my third one is called Free Your Mind from Food, and that's a workbook. So if you enjoy reading the book and you want to take it a step further, I have the Free Your Mind from Food workbook, which is about 30 pages of exercises and um, journaling, intensive journaling assignments that you can do self-paced. And then, like I said, I am, I'm working on another one. And this one, I have big plans for hopefully getting a, 
I'm getting an agent and maybe a book publishing deal. So wow, I'm very exciting. Excited. I think you can you can hear your um you can hear your passion coming through. You know, obviously with your experience and you're very passionate now about helping other women and men break free from the cycle and it comes through. So I'm sure I'm sure that you are gonna have an amazing success with your new book. Well thank you. Thank you so much. So um where can we find out more from you? So what's your website, Maddie? I know that you're very active on Instagram. Uh, Maddie's got a brilliant Instagram feed by the way. I'll put the details below the podcast for those of you that don't know where she is. But uh, what's your uh, what's your website? So my website is maddiemoon.com and Maddie is spelled a little differently. It's M A D D Y. MaddieMoon.com, and on there you can see my all of my blogs. I write at least one a week, and my podcast, which comes out every Wednesday, which is also on iTunes. It's called Mind Body Musings. Um, been doing that for two years, over two years now. And on my site, you'll also see my books, information about my coaching, my courses, and um, like, like you said, my Instagram is also, uh, somewhere that I'm very active. So I would love to see everyone shoot me a message, say hi, super excited to connect with everybody. No, definitely. Definitely. So, um, thank you very much, Maddie. That was absolutely fabulous. I think it's given a lot of information to us all. Um, certainly from anyone listening right now that is into like the fitness industry or the perceived health industry. Um, have a little think about what Maddie, Maddie said and just, you know, step back from it and see whether you might need to start changing your perception around why you're doing what you're doing right now. Good stuff. So thank you very much, Maddie. Um, thanks guys for listening to Ditch the Diet Radio. I'll be back probably in the next week or so with another awesome guest talking about everything to do with food, ditching the diets, emotional eating, um, body image, all that kind of stuff. So have an awesome day and yeah, take care of yourself. See you later. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Diet Radio, everyone, with your host, Rachel Foy. That's me. If you've got ever any questions, then you can email me at info at rachelfoy.com. Be sure to check out the website, rachelfoy.com, for your free gifts and other bits and pieces. And if you would like to leave a review or subscribe to the podcast, then please do so. I am trying my absolute best right now to get the most amazing, incredible and inspirational people on the podcast show. And if there's anyone that you would really like me to interview, then drop me a message and I will see what I can do. Have an awesome day and remember that you can have a life where food doesn't control you. I can't wait to show you how. Bye.